This is uh, Zachary Duncan. You can uh, you can call me Zach. Uh, I'd like to welcome you formally to the RTR podcast, the Rose Tinted Reels. How you doing? Good, good. I'm Allison, as you probably know, because you are in the middle of one of our multi-episode specials celebrating Amadeus. Amadeus. Can you rock me, Amadeus? I'll tell you what I can do is tell you that it's been actually quite a while since our last part that we've recorded. You have quite a journey to make. So speaking of, we are going to finish this movie today. Finally, jeez. But uh, have we we decided what our next movie is? So I meant to talk to you before we started recording, especially since we're doing limited editing specials. That's Um, right. I always forget that. So I was going to give you a couple of options, um, just depending on how you're feeling. Um, I know that you've been excited to do Karate Kid 2. Right. So we could do that, or we could take a a break from, I guess, whatever we've been doing and kind of do a new genre. A new genre? Newer than Karate Kid? Well, more, uh, so less like just strictly drama or strictly action it's, uh, I was thinking this might be a good idea to do some Kubrick. Do a little uh, clockwork. Oh, my. And I, know I can't th- pass up a Kubrick. Well, so, Call to Kubrick. And I thought that that might be a good time to bring in our good friend Matt of Matter of Facts because he's a Kubrickian scholar. Uh, speaking of this guy, I, I got a bone to pick. Go pick your bones. I've got, I've got a bone to pick with this guy. He's not a member of our RTR community face place yet. I, I, I tell him. I'm like... You send me messages as you're listening to the episodes. They'd be great conversations to have on the RTR. You, you tell he him. Is, he is shaking a dingle hopper at me. Like, uh, I'm brandishing at this point because I'm angry. For those who are not <laughs> Little Mermaid people. Oh, I yeah, didn't. Good. Okay. <laughs> thought you were just making up funny words. No, no, she combs her hair with what she believes is called a dingle hopper and it is a fork. What a dummy. <laughs> Has anyone ever told her she's just a dummy? I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Her father every day. Man, you are such a dummy. Uh, You gave up that beautiful underwater life to be with a man who may or may not know you exist. (laughs) What a dummy. Ariel, I I love you, but he is dumb. (laughs) All right. That's besides the point. Okay. Back to Matt. Back to to brandishing. (laughs) So listen, Matt. I'm going to lose an eye. (laughs) Listen, Matt. You need to join the RTR community face place and, uh, you know, be a conversation starter there, right? Yeah. Look. Yeah. Look. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, I can t- actually now tag you as a subject matter expert. A subject on, matter expert. Well, so ah, that, that's ah, a new that's thing on the good. Facebook. It's it, not, but it was a good pun. See, I can't even take credit for the good pun, and I love puns. <laughs> Did you do it <laughs> accidentally? Well, no, that's just what it's called. On. Oh, I see. Have a watermelon. Thank you. Can so I we've, have my fork. We've back? got. Oh, is this yours? Did <laughs> yeah. I steal your fork? To, to articulate to your point. <laughs> oh, sorry about you that. you were going to eat with your fingies. I was going to eat with my fingies, but I didn't know that you removed God's own utensils from these beautiful fruits. All right, so Allison brought in some watermelon. and at, in, Delicious watermelon. You know, with notwithstanding the risk of incurring the wrath of, you know, a censor. And uh, I'm about to take a little chomp out of this watermelon, so don't mind me. Hi, guys. I'm Mickey the censor. Mikey the censor 
has actually gone out on vacation and he's enjoying the nice sunshines of the Jersey Shore. <laughs> so I'm going to have to ask you to behave yourself. I've been lent out from a different censorship department and I'm not... I'm used to getting on people about their filing their paperwork and you're making me angry. Can I? <laughs> uh, I like it a lot. <laughs> this is a great new character to introduce to the Pantheon. What do you mean, Garrett? Oh, sorry. No, yeah, it was Mickey. I didn't you're mean to insult you. You're breaking the illusion. No, there's no illusion. I, you're sitting right here. You're Don't a- forget file your paperwork look you can't come in here complaining about two things at once mickey either you're complaining about us eating or paperwork it can't be both pick one while you're eating you could be damaging the paperwork oh no (laughs) i didn't even think about that mickey that is juicy juicy watermelon (laughs) it sure is mickey thank you for pointing that out but you're uh, welcome listen (laughs) i didn't know that we were doing so much paperwork i don't know why we've got that scattered around our audio i'm actually due to to yell at you about that you and miss allison you just you just slouches oh so now you're complaining about our posture you know, your posture and you're, you're just letting things go by the wayside and I just don't appreciate it much. Right. Well, I'm really sorry about that. So this is the paperwork you're talking about that we're letting go to the wayside. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the, the paperwork that we've let go to the wayside, do you know what it is? Well, you have to fill out your 315s and your 420s and your- The 420 right here. Come on, pound it. <laughs> Right. I on. don't endorse that. You don't, oh, you're, are I you a right wing? I work for the Centrist Bureau. Oh, are, Mickey, are you a right wing conservative? I choose not to discuss my political oh, affiliations. That's what on conservatives there. usually say. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you're no, a cute. No, nothing more than that. Just nah. <laughs> you're a cute kid, but you need to do your paperwork. I'm so sorry, my uh, Mickey. Uh, uh, do you, what is this paperwork that you've got in front of us? I told you, it's your 315. Oh, in the your, 420s, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And your 645s. And the 666, right? Right, right. Are you into the devil? Because that's a whole different form. <laughs> oh, so the, wait, the form for the devil is not 666? Well, it is, but I'm just saying. Oh, I we don't have that in front of us at the moment. Right, but now that I know, I'll get it for you. Thank you files. so much, Mickey. Absolutely. Now, don't you be spilling your watermelon juices all over my delicate papers. Oh, I promise I will be very careful with the paperwork, Mickey. And thank you for keeping on top of us so that we get this paperwork done. Absolutely. Now, which is the window that I'm scheduled to crash out of to leave? Well, traditionally, it's been this window over here okay. that Tim Allen usually crashes through, and Mikey has done this a couple times well, also. the censorship bureau has been after Mr. Allen for years. <laughs> I bet they have. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so it's been really good getting to know you, Mickey. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, never neglect your paperwork. wise words from mickey the censor uh so will you be crashing out of the window now or are you going to take the door no don't use the the window it seems appropriate for those in the censorship bureau it is traditional i'll tell mikey when he gets back from vacation you say hello thank you very much mickey all right take care bye Well, that was fascinating. I I realized you didn't say a whole lot while uh, Mickey was here, Allison. Oh, I had stepped away to the kitchen for a moment. Uh, Oh, I didn't didn't even see you go. So, Mickey. 
Yeah, Mickey. He was a. It was a. It was a hell of a character. I mean, not a, not a character, but just a character. You know what, what? I mean? Like like a person with a lot of personality. He had a lot of personality. That guy, that wow. Mickey. You know, he had, he was obsessed with paperwork. Really? Yeah, I don't even know what that's about. He didn't. Uh-oh. He didn't. Re- he he mentioned numbers. But he didn't say what the pap- the numbers really related to <laughs> conceptually what this paperwork was supposed to be for. Have you been checking your mail? Uh, there, yeah, I've got a pile over there. Maybe we got some paperwork in the mail. <laughs> Maybe we did. Maybe he's just a mailman. Oh. See, this is a twist. Interesting. Yes, Mickey the mailman. Mickey the mailman <laughs> who pretends that he's part of the censorship bureau. And he gets really invested in people actually looking at the mail that they got and <laughs> filling it out, not getting it dirty. Mm-hmm. Not getting it soiled by drippings from watermelon. That's a very specific type of OCD. I yes, suppose. it is. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a very odd introduction to an episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm into know. it though. That's, this has been fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we should get more mailman in here. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, all right, so this is Amadeus, as we said. Yeah. Sh- should we get into the movie? Shall we start discussing again? Do we have any life updates before we do? Life updates, life updates. Ooh, I don't know, Allison. I don't know. I've been working on my game still. I got some more artwork going on. And in fact, a listener of this very podcast is contributing to the art. <gasps> That's exciting. Yes. So, you know, things are moving along. Well, will you perhaps tease some uh, information on the RTR when you get uh, further along in the game process? That's an interesting thought. And yes, I will. Excellent. I look forward to seeing it. I'll probably need a reminder because I'll forget. But I like this idea. Let's do this. Yeah, we need to get Mickey on board. Yeah, I think he should be our social media maven. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so that's about the only life update from me, I think. My, (laughs) My grandfather died of the vid. I'm so sorry. But we just had the the funeral for him. Went to that. Sad. But I on the upside, we had to go to Georgia to do this thing. And we stayed in a Bavarian-themed town in the mountains of Georgia. And while we were there, there were parades of Masons, like Freemasons, going down the street in little golf carts, spraying each other with things. And they had, like, fresh meat for their organization, dressed up in, like, red jumpsuits, carrying lots of toilet paper. Interesting. That sounds yes. weird. Yes, I would have felt like a very much outsider. Yes. Should- <laughs> <laughs> there was nobody that wasn't an outsider there. The, oh. the entire town was outsiders. <laughs> well, um, did, did you enjoy some meats and pretzels and things, if it was a Bavarian kind of uh, situation? No, I did not. I bought a scotch while I was there. Yeah, I bought a nice little scotch, which I promptly threw on the ground. <laughs> Muscle tough? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't intend to. It came in like a little uh, cardboard tube. Uh-huh. And so there's a bottle inside the tube. And I was carrying the tube like sideways as I was walking. And it ejaculated out of the, the, <laughs> out of the front of the tube. And it's, it smacked like nose first or what do you call the top of the nozzle? Mm-hmm. What do you call that? The lip. The neck? The, the neck or the lip. Okay, yeah. so yeah, fine. So it hit the neck lip. On the ground, <laughs> but it had a little thing like right on, like right above the cork that softened the blow so it didn't shatter. I was about to ask, uh, did it survive? It survived all right. And I've now sampled it and it's okay. It's not that <laughs> it's, great. It's fine. <laughs> it's all right. But uh, no, so I did not have any Bavarian themed eats while I was there, but I had some beer. I had some German beer. Hmm. Yes. And did you listen to any uh, uh, thrasher metal? I'm glad you asked. Uh, yes, I did a little bit. <laughs> well, I was going to ask. Uh, uh, like a polka or um, some kind of um, 
Bavarian themed music. Hmm. There might have been some playing there. I honestly don't remember. But uh, it was a fun time. It was an odd little town. It was kind of cute. It was quaint. It felt like a very large like theme park town. Like something like if you went to Disney World and there was a Bavarian themed area, it felt like that. There is a German pavilion in Epcot. Yeah. So I'm sure it's like exactly like that, except it was a real town. Or uh, Bush Gardens, I think, has worlds too. What about King's Dominion? I couldn't remember if it was Bush Gardens or King's Dominion that had the worlds. I always get those places mixed up. Me too. And um, hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. I don't know where I've been. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so how's your life been? Good. I actually found something really interesting. Interesting, you say? Mm-hmm. More interesting than dropping watermelon on your keyboard. Is that what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> where did it go? It's vanished. I was about to take a bite, and then you said something shocking, so I had to look at you. So um, I actually discovered what is known to be a cursed commercial from Japan. Oh, what does that mean? So uh, this is a commercial where people believe if you watch it, something horrible will befall you. It's like kind of uh, a ring, the ring or the omen right, like, or right. an omen, not the omen. Is it the ring or is it just ring? I don't know. It's ring. It's ring? Just ring. You know what? There's a lot of movies we've been watching lately that are just using and not using the and a <sighs> all willy nilly like. I know. Labyrinth. I, I, right. <laughs> so silly. But it, it does seem like a convention for horror movies, especially to use the in front of whatever they're about to talk. The conjuring, mm-hmm. the happening, mm-hmm. etc. Etc. I'm not going to make any more examples. You get the idea. <laughs> So in this case, uh, it is a Kleenex commercial that has this really just um, bizarre music happening in it. And it's a girl uh, dressed all in white kind of singing in, in this very distorted kind of way in English about the beautiful day that she's going to have. And in front of her is this orange behorned demon thing like and i i know that it's probably something to do with a religion like shinto or something that i don't know much about just kind of this type of creature but uh people uh believe that the actress that was in it and the child both mysteriously died um people who watch it claim to have had miscarriages and of justice just weird things but i just i fell down this rabbit hole of trying to unearth the secrets of this haunted and so how far did you get down that rabbit hole? Did you see through the looking glass? Well, uh, I actually, uh, there's someone on YouTube who went through and actually, like, they tracked down the the baby actor and the lady actor uh, uh, who were in the commercial, and they're both alive and well. But, <laughs> but it's so ingrained in culture there to be af- afraid of this commercial yeah. that no one believes that it isn't haunted. And um, do you remember that really creepy... Uh, short movie I sent you with the two ladies looking at perfume. Yes. What the hell was that? Was that in the interlude between the last episode we recorded and this one? Yeah. That's been a while. Uh, what the hell was that? I don't know. It, it was a weird thing that I I fell down the rabbit hole again researching because of TikTok. Like I found a TikTok that used a sound clip from it. You know, that uh. my crazy aunt Kate. No, no, no. That that whole thing. That was so weird. Uh that was bananas. That was berserk. It was, it was, it, I've seen many trippy videos that just do crazy things for Enter the sake. The void. Yeah. For, well, that was slightly different. I've seen a lot of things that are crazy just for the sake of crazy, mm-hmm. just to kind of be trippy. 
But that was very bizarre. Yeah. It in, was in kind of an enter the void way, I would I feel. It was uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, like the, the masked guy that stuff. Anyway, so the woman who did the music for that wrote the song that was used in the haunted Japanese commercial, and that's the parallel. Oh, interesting. I wonder how these things connected. That's very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I So just, that's your life. That's been your life for the last few weeks? Yeah, just falling down rabbit holes, baby. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Very good. Anything else? Uh, so How's uh, your marriage going? Marriage is good. Um, it's holding up? Yep. Oh, happy Father's Day, by the way. Thank by you. the time this releases, it will no longer be Father's no, Day. But it is today. But it is today. So today we say happy Father's Day. And happy belated Juneteenth to you glad that it's starting to get more recognition i hope that in lieu of just people saying happy you know juneteenth it actually uh comes out with some good works to to try to add um equality i saw a meme a couple days ago that was a it was it's the picture of the kid He's stepping over a bunch of stairs. Mm-hmm. Oh, He's yeah. like extending his leg over a bunch of stairs. So instead of doing police reform. And, and all these other yeah. things, it was right to happy Juneteenth. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the, the emotion that I've uh, gotten from my, my peers about the, the whole more national recognition. But yeah. Accept all the progress you can get. I think that there's an attitude of when something good happens, you're like, yeah, but it's not good enough. Accept the good thing. And then continue. Yes, and yes, get get more good thing, but acknowledge the good thing happened, yeah. and be be cool with it. Yeah, and so I I guess uh, I'm of the ilk where it's like I'm glad that it's on the the national forefront and we're more recognizing. However, let's let's do yes and yes yes this yes yes this, but more. Correct, Amundo. That's my philosophy anyway. But hey, I'm just a moron with a microphone. Yeah, and I'm another moron with another microphone. Double morons with double mics. Baby. All right, so Amadeus. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, we have to also say, you know, go go to the Facebook and Twitter at Roast Into Reels, uh, 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 Facebook group, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, RTR Community Face Place and all that sort of thing. Five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you don't do it, you're a loser. So I think where we left off, you said, was we're an hour and 15 seconds in yes. to the movie. And is this your timestamp? It is. Um, so in this scene, um, Salieri, uh, he needed to pre-approve the next opera before um, Mozart kind of was greenlit um, to present it uh, at the National Theater. Um, and he is asked to look at the music papers. Um, but uh, Amadeus has said, no, I refuse, recognizing that this is going to um, make it difficult for Amadeus to get work and um, his wife is sneaking the papers to Salieri. This is a very interesting scene and I want to dissect her character in a bit. Mm-hmm. But so when you said, no, I refuse, I was just thinking it would be really cool to do uh, re-voiceover movies with that kind of dialogue. <laughs> where It's just like this. It's exactly what they're thinking versus just kind of. Yes, it's exactly what they're thinking, but they also say it in a very kind of like monotone or de- dejected way. <laughs> no, I refuse. I'm not going to do it. So basically Mikey and Mickey are going to come. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> yeah. Mike, a movie voiced by Mikey and Mickey. How fantastic would this be? When we get our hands on some scripts then we open a Patreon. There you <laughs> go. Be, uh, Mikey and Mickey doing a retelling of something. Yeah. Clockwork Orange. Oh God. <laughs> Clockwork Orange. 
He's looking over the paperwork and hearing the music that Mozart has written. Meanwhile, Costanza is helping herself to nipples of Venus candies. Can't stand you. As he's reading, he's hearing. It was actually, it was beyond belief. These were first and only drafts of music. Which we have heard is now is false, but... They showed no corrections of any kind. Not one. He had simply written down music already finished in his head. Page after page of it, as if he were just taking dictation. And music. Finished as no music is ever finished. Displace one note, and there would be diminishment. Displace one phrase, and the structure would fall. It was clear to me. Hot take, I think F. Murray Abraham is a dish. That sound. <laughs> Archbishop's palace had been no accident. Here again was the very voice of God. I was staring through the cage of those meticulous ink strokes at an absolute beauty. And I'm spent. <laughs> Is it not good? It is miraculous. Oh, yes. He's very proud of his work. So you will help us? I dine with the Emperor tomorrow evening. One word from me, and the post is his. Thank you, Your Excellency. Thank you. Come back tonight. Tonight? Alone. What for? Some service deserves service in return. No? What do you mean? Isn't it obvious? It's a post all Vienna seeks. If you wish it for your husband, come tonight. I'm a married woman, sir. Then don't. It's up to you. And not to be vague, that is the price. And then he stomped on the paperwork. What a jerk. He kind of is. And, but, you know, it just the, the part of the scene that I really like. I'm sorry, hang on. That really needed an interjection from Mickey the censor. He just stepped on paperwork. <laughs> That's not okay. 
Hi guys, I, I'm back. I, I heard that there was some improper use of papers. Did you just jump in through the window again? I went through the front door this time. I was going to say, it's, that's very acrobatic. It just, you know, not at my age can I just go willy-nilly through windows. I will save it for my dramatic exits. Oh, okay. How old are you? How old of a man are you? Well, firstly, rude. I'm a woman. I, we've already established that you're a man. No, I just didn't correct you at the Oh, point. I thought you said, you but You are going right. to get some paperwork about it. Don't worry. Don't worry your little heads about <laughs> Fair it. Fair enough. I'm very sorry for misgendering you. Well, it's it's all right. It happens a lot. I do like the sauce, and I do like the cigarettes. So, it's so just, you're an alcoholic chain smoker? Well, it's not so much that I'm an alcoholic. I just, I just it, hope it helps take the edge off when I'm doing my paperwork and I see paper being just disregarded. Now, for, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that chain smoking around paperwork may yellow the paper. Oh, I only do it outside, never in the house. Oh. One of my beautiful files that are immaculately kept. I believe you, Mickey the Censor. So what, what's your take on the paperwork that F. Murray Abraham just so casually stepped on and walked away? His jealousy is clouding his judgment. Such beautiful paper, yes. especially old paper. Oh, old paper is even more valuable, isn't it? Oh my gosh, it just, it, it wasn't this commercially processed stuff that it is now. And just, it, it was sacred and how <laughs> dare he, Salieri, you bastard. Right, right. Have you ever been to a paper museum? I have. Oh, yeah. Are you uh, good friends with the curator there? I am. He's my, my good friend, Jerome. <laughs> and then I also like to, on weekends, make my own papyri. I'll give Excuse you me? some papyrus, papyrus paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really enjoy the papyri. I believe you when you say that. Now, I'd like to see some one day. Maybe you could bring it in. Absolutely. You wouldn't happen you, to have any on your person, would you? Not near your watermelons, I don't. Oh, that's a good point. You don't want to trust it around me. Not yet. N not now. You have to earn <laughs> Mickey's trust. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, thanks for coming by and giving us uh, your take on this scene. Do, do you mind if I just use the steps and leave through the front door this time? I'm afraid I've had it locked. There's no way out now. You're going to have to jump. All right, it's just terrible to do the superhero landing on my knees. I believe you at your advanced age, madam. All right, well, you kids be good. And, and also your name is Mickey. Mickey. That seems like a man's name, no? Well, it could be a man's or a woman's, I suppose. Well, obviously, because you are a woman, so it, it has to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. I mean, the, the, there's all sorts of crazy parents in the world, that's all I can say. <laughs> well, yeah, people naming their children stuff like Leaf and West and all sorts of things. Ladashna. Excuse me? Oh, yeah. I saw paperwork come through with... <laughs> <laughs> Do you just get a copy of all paperwork? <laughs> it, it's really kind of like, um, if you're looking at... Like from the Marvel universe, you know the the keepers of the timeline. Yeah, I'm the keepers of the universal paperwork. Oh, very interesting. Well, you're a very important uh, woman. Well, I don't Mickey. need to brag. Well, I would appreciate it if you didn't. So that's good news on both fronts. All right, kids, I gotta go. I All love right. the, the the meters running and uh, the don't. If Are I you get also a, a meter maid? No, but if I get a ticket, that's just more paperwork. Oh, I see. Okay, well, take care, uh, Mickey. Well, thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, kids. Until next time. All right. Wow. You had the window fixed before Mikey came back? No, he jumped out of a different window this time. She I really wish they would pick just one. <laughs> it makes it easier on me. Yeah. No, you're, you're losing a fortune. <laughs> I sure am. I hope Tim Allen doesn't hear that we're recording today. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Get out of here, Tim. <laughs> we don't need this right now.
<laughs> All right, so <laughs> weird, weird diversion we just took. Thanks, Mickey. But uh, so lady here. You're welcome. Shut up, Mickey. Get out of here. Do something else. Jump in someone else's window. Fine. All right. So a lady here just got propositioned in a very, I'll, I'll just say it. Not cool way. No, um, it, it wasn't. And especially since we've kind of uh, developed this understanding that Salieri is supposed to be a pious man. That's correct. And it's very interesting. So in real life, apparently, well, in the movie, at the beginning where he really was trying to garner the affections of this buxom young singer, <laughs> it was Mozart who, you know, fiddled around with her fiddle. If you understand my meaning, uh-huh. but apparently in real plucked life, the chords. he plucked her chords. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he hit the G note. Oh. Hey, come on. Too far. Too far. Too far. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I don't usually do the sex puns, but that one was too good. It was hanging out there. It was. All right. Anyway, it was in fact Salieri in real life who tickled her, um, her strings. Mm-hmm. Tickled uh, her ivories. That's right. So I don't know in real life if she actually slept with him or was it, was willing to sleep with him for this role or and if he propositioned her. Or, uh, I, I doubt that in real life he would have propositioned Costanza um, just, you know, based on what we learned from our research or at least my research and then our invited guest um, from last episode. I just, I don't think that Salieri had too many interactions socially Mm. with either um, Amadeus or his wife. Do you have a timestamp for when she goes to his uh, apartments later? Um, I think that that's actually my next timestamp. Basically, Costanza went to Salieri as he requested, started to undress, and he just kind of threw her out and humiliated her. Did right. And I think that was because he thought better of the Enterprise because he... He, he wh- made a deal with God. He made a deal with God that he wanted to you know, maintain his chastity in exchange for world renown. He wanted to be the vessel of God's divine music. So in exchange for that, he was keeping his chastity. But, so I want to ask you this. Why would God care and feel, what what am I going to do with this? Yeah. Your chastity? Do I hold it in my hand? Do I sell it to somebody for some food? What do I do? It's not a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the same, that's the thing with any prayer. Like, I feel like you bargain with God all the time when you pray. Like, hey, if you just, if, if you let my team win the Super Bowl, I'll brush my teeth for a month. And you know I hate brushing my teeth. Does anyone really hate brushing their teeth? I love brushing my teeth. What do you think about that? What do you think about her going there? And in the scene where she goes to his apartments and she starts to undress, she's like smiling and such. I don't, I don't know. I feel like she's a little ditzy. I don't think she is though. I think she seems, she's like looks ditzy because she's small and cute-ish, I guess. But she doesn't come off as ditzy to me. She comes off as intelligent. Hmm. I mean, there's certain times where she's smart, like when she's doing the, the backwards interpretation. But then there's times where she seems immature. Maybe immature is the right word and not... That may be true, especially at the beginning. But I think that that was perfect for Mozart at the time. They're both immature immature. people. Yeah, yeah, and they they kind of bond over that. And I'm surprised she never told Amadeus about it. I'm surprised by that too. And I I can see she seems to be a very devoted person to Mm -hmm. her partner. And she was willing to sacrifice something in herself to help him achieve something great. And I can get that. But it was the smiling when she was in his apartments. That seemed odd. She seemed like she was enjoying it, like it was a naughty little thing that she was doing. I mean, maybe to a certain extent, because there, there's a lot of decadence in this era, like the party that they went to that was all masked and it's like, show us your ankles. Ooh. Ooh. How coy, your, your 
breasts are pretty much out on display. But yeah, show us your ankles. <laughs> yeah, <and that's> exactly. <laughs> were the were the bazungas were they out like that back in the day, or is that more of a revisionist history? Um, you know, from things that I've read and images I've seen, so it's hard because you um, you're basing your understanding of the fashion based on portraits right. and based on certain text of writing. So I do think... And maybe the artists back then were smutty. So maybe people didn't dress that way, but the artists were just like, all right, I'll accentuate here a little bit. But also, um, this is the time where corsets were, you know, tighter and tighter and tighter. Mm -hmm. The tighter your corset, the higher they go. And even if you have one that's uh, called an underbust corset, it's still, it changes your posture. So Underbust, that, is that actually what they're called? Yeah, underbust corsets yeah makes sense yeah um they actually make them stand a little taller because it changes your posture you know a corset i feel like would be good for most people just for posture reasons yeah it is impossible to relax in one yeah can confirm yeah good for your back maybe mm -hmm. i mean it's it's terrible for your internal organs but yeah great for your back <laughs> well i mean is there a middle ground between like being good for your back and being so tight that it's squeezing your organs into different parts of your body I'm sure. <laughs> but usually people who are wearing corsets, it's for fashion, not for function. Yeah. We need to invent the functional corset for men and women. It's called a girdle. Yes. <laughs> Leela, serious question. Does the company that makes your bra make a girdle as well? I ask because a friend of mine. <laughs> so anyway, diversion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, do you want to play? Yes, please. All right. Looking at the cross. I liked that fake out. I don't even know if it was intentionally a fake out, but to me, I thought that he was just staring off into his mind thinking of Mozart. And then the camera switches and it shows the crucifix with Jeezy on it. Mm -hmm. And you realize he's talking to Jeezy. And I liked that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. It's Salieri is just kind of going into his head about declaring war, not against now Amadeus, but also God, who which he served. Yep. For your instrument, a boastful, lustful, smutty, infantile boy, and give me for reward only the ability to recognize the incarnation. I really, because I feel for Salieri so much because I feel like that's something that most people who try to become an expert in anything mm -hmm. will experience. You will reach a point where you're good enough, where you're, you're better than many people, but you're not the best. Mm -hmm. And so you are good enough to recognize how good the best is and know you're never going to get there. Oh, God. That's such a depressing feeling. Yeah, really. It's like, <laughs> that's like a certain level of hell. Like yeah. Just... yeah. You are unjust. Unfair. Unkind. I will block you. I swear it. I will hinder and harm your creature on earth as far as I am able. Majesty, I don't like to talk against a fellow musician. Of course not. <laughs> I have to tell you. He does come off as a bit dumb. <laughs> Mozart is not entirely <laughs> to be trusted uh -huh. alone with young ladies. Really? As a matter of fact, one of my own pupils, a very young singer, Maria Teresa Paradis, Bless you. told me she was... Well, what? Molested, Majesty. Twice. 
in the course of the same lesson. Okay, so I again I don't know how this uh, lines up with actual historical reality or historicity, but if he's making things up to tarnish Mozart's reputation, couldn't people talk to the people he's referring to and realize that that stuff didn't actually happen? So call um, them up on your cell phone real quick and, and verify. So one of the things that um, I think is more uh, um, the person that actually spoke out against um, Amadeus um, was a uh, the Ditters von Dittenberg or whatever his name was. Dittersdorf. Dittersdorf. Ditters von Dittersdorf. It's too many Ditters. It really is. Uh, so Ditzy, uh, he wrote a, a series Perfect. of articles about him. And I'm sure that had someone actually interviewed the named in the accusation, it would have been cleared up a little bit. Part of the reason I think they wouldn't approach the accusers is because there's, uh, in this time period, that sense of tarnish. Like if a man touches you or... Sure. It, you you are also... You are ruined. Yeah. 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 So in this day, they're probably trying to um, help the aristocrat save face. Yeah by not doing that and why would she lie to Salieri her friend do you have more in this scene nope so uh 12345 um Amadeus's father has come to visit him and meet his new wife um they want to show him the town even though he doesn't seem like a party guy and they <laughs> they go to a masquerade kind of situation and um Amadeus um, is being given a penalty for failing musical chairs. And um, he's being asked to play certain musical pieces upside down or blindfolded um, on a, looks like a harpsichord or a miniature harpsichord. And Salieri is watching kind of from the wings. So he's being held and he's playing... Music based on what people are shouting at him to do, to perform. And apparently he is actually performing. And when he has to do it upside down, he's still actually performing. The correct piece. Oh! His father is played by Roy Dutrice, who voices all of the books in the Game of Thrones series. Oh, hey. The mask that his father is wearing in this scene is important because it will be used later against Amadeus. Now that is a challenge. That is a challenge. Salieri calls for him to play his music. (laughs) He's making kind of an oafish face. Salieri is being mocked by the entire room. Mozart shits his britches. 
Surprised those candles didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That might have been a little too uh, broad of humor. Go on. Mock me. Laugh. (laughs) (laughs) That was not Mozart laughing, Father. That That was was God. God. That was God laughing at me through that through that obscene giggle. <laughs> His acting is great. Go on, signore, laugh. Laugh. Show my mediocrity for all to see. One day I will laugh at you. Before I leave this earth, I will laugh at you. So in this scene, um, the king has for or, uh, emperor has forbidden that there be ballet within opera, which is a really weird forbearance. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And so, um, Amadeus has begged Salieri for help to get favor back with uh, the emperor, um, and to see what he could do about restoring it. So um, the emperor uh, walks into the practice and sees kind of this ridiculous display of people dancing with no music. Right. And so this was Mozart's attempt to display how ridiculous a thing could be. If you just don't, he says, this scene has to be in it. If I am not allowed to do ballet, the scene is going to still happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to make it look ridiculous and it's going to embarrass you guys. Yeah. Which falls. Balls. Dude's got balls. Yeah. Something, anything. When suddenly, in the middle of the third act, to my astonishment, the emperor, who never attended rehearsals, suddenly appeared. I would like to know how they're coordinating their movements if they don't have a beat. It is also worth mentioning that... What is this? This was a forbidden story. I don't understand. Is it modern? (laughs) Majesty, the uh, head directory, he has removed Unabaletto that would have occurred at this place. Why? It is your regulation, sir. No ballet in your opera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Salieri. You like this? It's not a question of liking, Majesty. Your own law decrees it, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, what? Too many notes, not enough notes, make up your mind, guy. <laughs> Oblige me. Yes, Such a beautiful Can theater. we see the scene? And we know now that all of these, it's lit entirely by candlelight. I really hope they were not filming in the summer. That would have been unbearable. <laughs> well, I don't know. The, I There had to have been electronics, so maybe it was air-conditioned. 
You hope, because when you think about like the cameras generating their own heat, but also then the, all the candles that you would have needed. But if they had air conditioning, that would have made an air current and the candles would bl- billow. So let's let's watch that since we've already seen what's... Yeah, let's not pay attention to what these stupid idiots are saying. Let's watch these candles. With the music that... Look at this candle. Certainly. Certainly, Herr Director. Do you know what happened? A miracle. <laughs> Such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> the Emperor yawns. Yeah. And he gave a little shifty sideways look. I saw my defeat turn into a victory. And Mozart was lucky the Emperor yawned only once. (laughs) Three yawns. And the opera would fail the same night. Two yawns. uh, Within a week at most. With one yawn, the composer could still get... Nine performances. Nine, that's all it's had. The emperor who, who knows really nothing of music, even though he claims to be this person who celebrates the arts, mm-hmm. got uncomfortable in his chair, maybe had a sleepy boy night before and like didn't get good sleep and can yawn and suddenly ruin something that an artist is recognizing as pure art. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that's what that what happened there? That he was sleepy? Yeah. Uh, do you think so? I mean, we don't, we don't know. I, I will say that... In th- a four-act opera, it is very possible that this... You can love it and yawn. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, but it was his shifty little looks to the side that made me think that... He, it, there was more to it. I don't actually know, but that's it gave me the impression that it wasn't pure sleepiness. Well, I will say that, you know, one of the things that I haven't mentioned in a while is, you know, Ted McCoskey, my professor of film, uh, when I was in my undergrad program, had the the butt test theory. The um, butchtel test. The butchtel test. So if you're watching something and you're focusing more on the discomfort of your butt than you are the enjoyment of the film, then the film has not completely swept you into its majesty. I think the same thing is true of opera or any kind of visual medium, um, visual auditory medium. Although for opera, I mean, if it's going to go like a a Zack Snyder style movie for four hours plus, it's going to, no matter how good it is, at some point, some part of your body is going to atrophy. It might be your bladder. It might be your back. It might be, you know, just your brain. You might relax and you might let off a yawn or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. I mean, even in something that I will watch the extended on Lord of the Rings. Oh, yes. um, There's a certain point in every film where I have to pause so I can... Yeah, get up, get rejuvenate. Up. Yeah, get some lombus bread and get back to it. Do you know lombus bread? One small bite is enough to fill the stomach of a full-grown man. How many did you eat? The whole thing. <laughs> I nearly died. Sorry. Um, uh, yes. So I was just going to, yeah. So it's possible that this just reached that he needed another chamber pot intermission. I heard. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was Italy, maybe it was England. I can't remember. But at some point in history, they did not want to get up from the table during dinner. At all. They didn't want to miss any of the revelries to be had. So they would bring chamber pots to the table so that people could poop themselves at the table. So they didn't have to leave. And then the, the chamber pots would be taken away. And Man, I would hate that shitty job. That would, that would be a real shitty job, wouldn't it? <laughs> but why couldn't they do that in uh, theaters? I'm imagining that they might have had something like that. Well, I mean, like now. 
Oh, right now? Yes, right now. I, I, I would think like... we're a little more modest about whipping out our parts to alleviate ourselves. Well, something else that happened in history, there was a person in England that had the job of wearing a gigantic cloak. And for, a modesty cloak? Yeah, for people that wanted to poop themselves in public, he would come and surround them with the cloak. He would put his cloak around them. They would have a little pot underneath. They would poop themselves in the pot. And once they were done, he would remove the cloak. And while he was wearing it, for the listeners at home, this is a person wearing a gigantic cloak, and he's spreading his arms around the person that's pooping Hang and on. covers them. In my head, yeah. it's the shower curse, uh, curtain costume from Karate Kid. <laughs> he was basically <laughs> auditioning for that role. <laughs> yeah. Um, gross. Uh, so in History of the World Part 1, they do reference uh, kind of what they were jokingly calling a piss boy who was walking around with the piss pot. Yeah, so that would have been a real thing. Yeah. And in England, at some point in history, they also had a guy that would give you a little bit of modesty yeah. while so, you pooped yourself. So in that case, I, that probably was a thing. So why can't it be now? I wouldn't use it. We're a sophisticated society. Yeah, but we if also you can't, have plumbing. If you can't poop yourself in front of your friends while watching a film in the darkness of a nice little theater in Annapolis, Maryland, what can you do? Use a public lavatory. Yeah, but then you have to miss the movie. Yeah. Well, I... I <laughs> I have a lot of statements that <laughs> can go here, but largely to say, you know, even in the privacy of my own home, there are things I do to mute the processes. Like even if it's fans, uh, noise machines, fans, running water, whatever you have. Do you clap a lot? <laughs> <laughs> I cough. To <laughs> 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 yes, I'm sure that must be exciting. When you hear a lot of coughing upstairs, ooh, I know what's happening. <laughs> does Allison need a lozenge? Don't go up there. Don't you go up there. She does not need a lozenge. <laughs> she needs a lot of help right now, but not a lozenge. Uh, the coughing thing was a reference to actually one of our earlier episodes. We were talking about people who try to mask their flatulence with coughs. <laughs> I don't remember this conversation, oh, okay. but I, I like the idea of someone coughing, trying to cover up flatulence mm -hmm. but the pressure of like flexing your stomach so that you can make a cough might actually force another louder one out <laughs> there was one hiding in the chamber right? <laughs> <laughs> followed right out behind the other uh, anyway. so my next one we don't need to watch but Good. it's a timestamp that i wanted to uh, bring up which is um there's a portrait in amadeus's house and this portrait is just of his father um dressed you know read like as a regent and just looking out so disapprovingly and i just you know i i really want to get a portrait of my dad looking like that and put it in like one of my guest rooms so you know any guest in my room can just be unnerved by a disapproving allison's dad just i think that'd be great i was trying to pull up a picture of your dad that i think looks like bing crosby Oh, yeah, um, the one where he's holding me as an infant. Yes. <laughs> so I think that should be the portrait, the Bing Crosby pose. This is your timestamp, right? Yep. Uh, I call this a simple but risky plan because if Amadeus just kind of paused for a moment, if he wasn't inebriated, you know, a lot of things, he probably would have questioned this interaction more and it wouldn't have been as devastating. Yes. simple an idiot could have defended it first i must get the death mass and then i'll 
must achieve his death. What? His funeral. Imagine it. The cathedral. All Vienna sitting there. His coffin. Mozart's little coffin in the middle. <laughs> he really likes to emphasize his littleness. I know. He must have silence. been a little guy. Music. A divine music bursts out over them all. A great mass of death. Requiem mass for Wolfgang Mozart. Composed by his devoted friend, Antonio Salieri. Oh, what sublimity, what depth, what passion in the music. Salieri has been touched by God at last. And God forced to listen. Powerless to lose, powerless to stop. I, for once, in the end, laughing at him. This poor priest is at his death. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell. He seems like he's on his first day. I can't tell if he is just so enthralled by the story that he's kind of doe-eyed like this, or if he's so like taken aback by the e- his perceived evil. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know what this is, but he's just not helpful. He came here with like all the confidence of a, a man of God. Like, here, sit down, come old here, man. Wave my hands at you, and you'll feel better. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna, you know, throw a couple cross symbols your way, and yeah. you're gonna be good for life, man. Have a couple Bloody Marys, and, a couple <laughs> <laughs> and then you won't remember in the morning. That's right. The actual killing. How does one do that? Hmm? How does one kill a man? A knife. Uh, it's one thing to dream about it very different when when you when you have to do it he's looking at his hands almost as if he's looking for blood stains Don Giovanni <laughs> again Elmer Fudd only <laughs> <laughs> alright so this is drunk Mozzi mm-hmm. and uh, Mozzi Wolfie Wolfie Little Wolfie is going looking to borrow money from the rich yabos. And uh, he's gone back to one such person that he had previously uh, tutored the daughter for. And he had insulted them. one lesson. Yeah, and he had insulted them and then left. So he's going back looking for money, but now he's drunk off his tits. From my instruction. What is it, Mozart? What's the matter with you? Well, since... It appears no one is eager to hire my services. Could you favor me with a little money instead? What for? If a man cannot earn, he must borrow. And these were the people that were that had the dogs. Yes. That were like barking. And that was why he was so offended is because the dogs would not. Shut up <laughs> during and his uh, playing. Uh, but it seems to me that uh, weird to me that no rich person wanted to hire him just because of these rumors that Salieri is putting around because uh, Mozart had been to their house and they'd never experienced anything like that. They were present the whole time. Continue in that vein. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> ha- have the molester in your home. <laughs> just watch him. 
All right, I, maybe that's not the right solution. We're about to have a sensor. Just jump back. <laughs> hey, guys, you can't have... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mikey, you're on vacation. I know, but I heard you guys saying that it was okay to have a molester in your home as long as you just kept an eye on him. L listen. It's not the thing to do. We already have some paperwork thanks to, to Mickey showing up, and we we don't want you to have to end your vacation early because I'm... I'm worried that might result in more paperwork. Look, I understand your concerns, and I thank you very much for them and for looking out for me and uh, all the, the work that I must put into this. But I have to tell you, I am willing to go through the paperwork if it means that you guys don't make a complete ass of yourselves on this here radio program. I this is live, right? Yeah, no. Oh, thank God, so we can edit this <laughs> shit out later. Yeah, but Zach's not editing now. Oh, well, <laughs> then this is a problem. It, We've got to address this. Yeah, yeah. Don't let molesters in your home. I agree with you. I, I wasn't going to let Zach ride on that one. All right, that's all I had to say. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> oh, gosh, so many windows. <coughs> Sorry, I'm back. Uh, what just happened? Uh, Mikey wanted us to be careful not to endorse inviting molesters into our homes. You know, that's a good idea. I'll change my stance on that. Don't let molesters in your home. I agree with you. Do not do that. All right. No molesters. Continuing. Well, that was the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My next one is 221.10. Go on. Okay. Don Giovanni. See, that disapproving regent. I want that with my dad in my guest room. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he would say about that, your dad? Oh, he wouldn't find it amusing at all. What would he say? So if you had him painted... Like, it wasn't a picture of him, but you had a portrait made of him. That's how you're spending your money? <laughs> you think that, would, that it would upset him that you spent your money unwisely? Yeah. What if you said, I, I but wanted... But Papa. But Papa, I wanted you to look over me all the time. It, it will remind me to spend my money wisely. <laughs> exactly. This is a, a down payment in the uh, uh, sound investments of my future. Indeed. Uh, to which you'd be a reply, I look... Stupid. This is stupid. <laughs> uh, well, that's not my fault. You just look stupid. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. If he ever hears this, you know, he you just lost your pool membership. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'll sneak in still. I'm really experienced at sneaking into pools. It's fine. Uh, no, you don't look stupid. Allison's dad. <laughs> he looked at me when he said, I'm like, I didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, you don't look stupid. Even I know you were thinking it. <laughs> Even though you're wearing shorts today, I just want you to let you know you don't look stupid. <laughs> Not at all. Not even 1%. I've been very self-conscious about wearing shorts. Like, <laughs> Is this your first year wearing shorts? Publicly? Yeah. In a very long time, yeah. Oh, interesting. I don't wear shorts very often either, but I wore them on my Germany trip. Germany? Uh, Georgia. And it was fun. Anyway, so here we go. Disapproving daddy. <laughs> <laughs> he starts jactitating. He's in a drunken stupor and he's kind of making faces and laughing at his father. Yeah. So there is actually a medical term. Or I think it's medical, but there is a term for like twitching around like that. And it's jactitating. I like that. Jactitating. Jactitating. Well, yeah, he, he's definitely... Uh, in the moment, just kind of. <laughs> Dancing and mocking. Anyway, yeah, so this is drunk Motsy dancing and uh, blowing raspberries at his father's painting. And uh, doing one of those thumbs on the nose, wiggle fingers. Yeah, the, the, what did we, we had a name for that the other day. It's like a rooster kissing your nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a turkey. Turkey, yeah, because that's how you draw turkeys. Yeah. <gasps> 
Masked Man. Who is acting like his father. I don't have it yet. Are you neglecting my request? No. No, I... Uh, I promise you, I... I'll give you a wonderful piece. The best I ever kept. So she, uh, his wife crept up behind him, mm-hmm. Costanza, George Costanza's uh, sister. Costanza. Crept up behind him and smiled at the masked man. Again, I have a problem with her smile because what, she's just okay? She, has she met masked man before? She hasn't, but I, I think she's trying to uh, support her husband um, and he seems flustered. So maybe she's trying to be disarming. Oh, maybe so. See, I, I've never been a woman. So I don't know all We politely the... smile a lot when we're uncomfortable. Everyone does. <laughs> I felt like we were trying to attack each other with smiles just there. It's very silly. <laughs> we wish you were here. <laughs> if only this were a video podcast. Yes, it's not. You, you just got silence and kind of the, <laughs> I don't even know if you can hear like the stretching of our lips. <laughs> like, um, uh, so, so, yeah, uh, so she's being disarming. And that's that's uh, something that an instinct that I guess some ladies will have. Mm-hmm. I guess men will have that too. Men men try to be disarming. Think of Bill Clinton. What, what about? Oh, he could commit you know all sorts of strange, dubious actions, but he's it's okay because he's got a nice smile. Eh. Right. Eh. That's the reaction of everybody. <laughs> Just kind of meh. Yeah. He was our meh is president yet. <laughs> he was a great president. He seems like he might have been a dubious person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I mean, if we're looking at the scales, the scales of one is a great president. I'm altered slightly. Yeah, the, the bar, the low bar is much lower than it used to be. So I, when watching the scene, just kind of focus on how Mozart is almost looking childlike, asking for forgiveness and asking for help, um, not knowing that he's begging the man that's been torturing him. Where did I stop? And he's at this moment, he's in bed and Salieri's at the foot of his bed dictating the mass that, mm-hmm. uh, that the masked been man has been thinking of. Yeah. So now, How would you translate that? Consigned to flames of war. You believe in it? What? Fire which never dies, burning you forever. Oh, yes. Possible. Come, let's begin. We ended in F major. Yes. So now, A minor. So apparently this in this scene, uh, he was intentionally giving him confusing notes to uh, F. Murray Abraham so that he would give uh, realistically perplexed expressions. During his dictation. Confutatis. A minor. Start with the voices. Basses first. Second beat of the first... Time. Me- time. Common time. Second beat of the first measure. On A. Confutatis. Second measure. Second beat. Maledictis. You see? Yes, yes. G sharp? Of course. Yes. Second beat of the third measure. On E. Are you sure he said octopus somewhere? Show me. 
Good. Now the tenors. Fourth beat of the first measure on C. And I like that it's playing everything in isolation, just the parts that they're writing. Measure. Fourth beat. So you can hear every uh, the components of the song individually. All right. Yes, 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 continue. Second beat of the fourth measure on F. Now the orchestra. Second bassoon and bass trombones with the basses. Identical notes and rhythm. First bassoon, tenor trombones with the tenors. Don't go too fast. Do you have it? Don't go too fast. Do you have it? First bassoon, tenor trombone, what? With the tenors. Identical? Of course. The instruments I... doubling the voices. Now, trumpets and timpani, no. trumpets and D. No, no. Listen no, to me. I don't understand. Listen. Trumpets and D, tonic and dominant, first and third beats. It couldn't be more simple. It goes with the harmony. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I understand. Yes, yes. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. Strings in unison. Ostinato on A, like this. Next measure is rising. Do you have yes, it? Yes, 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 I think so. It's wonderful. Yes, 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 go on. Vocame. Sotto voce. Write that down. Sotto voce. Yes, yes, yes. Pianissimo. C major, sopranos and altos and thirds, altos on C, sopranos above. So speaking of candles, I've been watching them in the scene also, still. <laughs> They're not making a movement, so they must not have AC. Or a fan or anything. Sopranos up to F on on the second vocal. Yes. 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 And on dictus. Yes. And underneath, just violins, arpeggios. <laughs> Descending scale in eighth notes, and then back to the ostinato again, and that's it. Do you have it? Go too fast. Do you have it? Go too fast. One moment, please. One moment. Yes. Good. Show me the whole thing from the beginning. He's just kind of singing to himself. I will say, I really appreciate having the headphones in for the music because oh, yeah. it's at a different level. Yeah, you can hear more of the, the detail and the depth. Mm-hmm. 
She looks like a child there. Yeah, she's very youthful. It's the chubby cheeks. Like, she genuinely looked like she might have been five there. He's dying. I can keep going, I assure you. Will you stay with me while I sleep a little? I'm not leaving you. I'm so ashamed. Of what? I was foolish. I, <laughs> I thought you did not care for my work. Or me. Forgive me. He looks quite pitiable. Um, so, yeah, then uh, he, he they take a little nap together. <laughs> and his wife comes home. He's like, hey, what you doing with my husband? Napping around here. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I showed you my titties earlier in this movie. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, I know, I'm sorry, but this guy needed me, my help. He's sick. Look at him. He's dying. No. She, she walks over did. to him, gives him a little pat on the head. He's like, hey, coins. And she's like, ooh, I like money. Dead. Mm -hmm. And then mass grave. Over. Mm -hmm. How are they going to do him like that? Put him in a mass grave. Well, if he didn't have the money. The coin. Yeah. Because funerals are expensive. They're still expensive. Yep. It's a, it's a pricey thing. Pricey consideration to die. Why are you staring at my... It's the dog. Uh, your dog is leaning across the air vent. Oh. So anyway, that's the end of the movie. Death. So my last timestamp mm -hmm. is 252.54. And this is Salieri's final thoughts on God. Um, and just really shows how much of a narcissistic asshole he is. <laughs> <laughs> Your merciful God. He destroyed his own beloved rather than let a mediocrity share in the smallest part of his glory. He killed Mozart and kept me alive to torture. 32 years of torture, 32 years slowly watching myself become extinct my music growing fainter all the time fainter till no one plays it at all his 
morning, Professor. Time for the water closet. And then we have your favorite breakfast for you. Is that Arthur Weasley? He loves those. No. Just Fresh insane. Sugar rolls. Genetic pool. I will speak for you, Father. I speak for all mediocrities in the world. I am their champion. I am their patron saint. <laughs> well, he said many things that are uh, have that have a lot of arrogance imbued, but I felt like that was at least he was acknowledging his uh, insignificance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that line. I'm the patron saint of mediocrity. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's arrogance in his acknowledgement of his mediocrity. It was condescending, surely. It was also basically telling him that he was a mediocrity, mm-hmm. which, he's, he's let's like, face it, he is. Yeah, he's like, you were a subpar priest. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a priest is supposed to come in. I guess, I mean, you, you go to confession, you're the one talking a lot. So maybe this is like a confession. Was it supposed to start out as a confession? I don't remember. I think it was... Uh, Supposed to be like absolution or a confession to cleanse his soul, um, forgive his soul because he had his attempt at suicide. Yeah. Did he have money, Salieri, at the end? Probably. I mean, he's been kind of well-to-do the whole movie. And he was in a very nice home when he was brought to the asylum. I don't know what happens to his estate. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, the state might take it. or Because he didn't have any heirs. Right. So, well, I was going to say, so he can, I mean... Is, is this still in the era where you can buy propitiation? I don't know. Probably. Hmm. So he can just pay for God to forgive him. Yeah. And you can have you can pay to have priests pray at a, a chantry. So in this after case, your death, I don't know that he cares because he kind of like you know middle fingers God a little bit. Yes, he he's not a fan, is he? But uh, now, do you think that he has broken the faith of this man here? No, probably I, not. Yeah, I, uh, I, I this, that's one of those things where I think we can. Be like, well, that was that person's bad day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he does seem to have affected this priest. Yeah. Deeply. Uh, probably not shaking his faith, but... Uh, but maybe don't give your most uh, degenerate to the priest on his first day. I don't know if... is How old does he look to you? I would, I would say, say in his 30s. 30s, yeah. Yeah, maybe 30. But how, how soon can someone finish the seminary? I don't... Well, I'll tell you, I listened to the WTF podcast with Dan Aykroyd, and he talked about going through, I think it was the seminary, to become a priest. And I think he said he was in his 20s, and he decided not to. So I think that you can be in your 20s and be a priest. Okay. Yeah. It's not something I looked into doing. Uh, Well, you're not allowed to. That's not, uh, well, Catholic. Um, Actually, aren't there now female Catholic priests? Well, they may have changed the rules recently. Uh, but certainly not, not when, when I was in my 20s. Yeah, yeah. if you probably even 10 years ago. I would have been in my 20s. Yeah, you know, 30 years ago when you were in your 20s. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Just kidding. How old do you think I am? <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, no. So, yeah, women were not allowed to be cool. <laughs> and we all know how cool priests are. Yeah, yeah. Well, not this priest. Um, no. Which brings us to Act 4. Act 4, the Rose Award Ceremony. It's been a long time since they hit that button. Yeah, but All right. I feel like you've been pretty unbuttoned. This. I know. Well, I, I'm not used to doing things in these parts. So when we go from act to act, it just feels different to me now. Disjointed. Right. So, all right. So, awards. Mm-hmm. What, who would you give your Rose Award to? You know, in watching this last bit with you, I almost want to change. Oh, but interesting. To I'm, whom? 
So I think I'll, I'll leave it alone for now, but I may be convinced otherwise. But I'd like to know your thought anyway. Who would you potentially give it to? I would potentially give it to no one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Yes, there's a lot of flawed individuals in this. Um, sure. But originally, and what I have typed is... Um, Mozart, um, Amadeus, while not always likable and certainly had their faults, um, you know, just there was a genius quality to them, very much like kind of a Steve Jobs where they're not necessarily likable, but they're brilliant. Yeah. It's one of those uncompromisingly brilliant mind peoples. Um, so I thought in that way was deserving of the rose. They also were the whole reason for the plot. True that, although I would argue that Mozzi's wife deserves it. Costanza. Yeah, she stuck up for Mozart and helped him get most of whatever he was doing done. She was pretty loyal. Well, but it was it was not just mere loyalty. She actually practically helped him out. She helped him with money mm-hmm. and organizing things and uh, helping with people and things like that. So it seems like she had, if she weren't around, Mozzi would have died an early death or in obscurity somewhere. Yeah. Because he was just a pure artist, had no business sense at all. I imagine he's one of those that would drink and drink and drink and focus on the work, but maybe not eat. And she probably would have made sure that he was. Yeah. And he would, but also at several points in the movie, he didn't care about the money. Mm-hmm. And he would have just been destitute and nobody would have heard his stuff because he wouldn't have had enough money to continue doing that without doing something else mm-hmm. to make up for the fact that he isn't making money doing his art. So I think that without her, his life as it worked out in the movie wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I would agree with that. What about your thorn? Salieri. It's got to be. Yeah, mine too. I mean, if it's not Salieri. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) he was literally working against Mozzi the whole movie. And in a way, his own self. Because if he was focused on his craft more than he focused on Mozzi, he could have potentially made something beautiful. He might have been even better than Mozzi. Probably not. But, uh, you know. And I, I, he is I, a mediocrity, after all. He considers himself a rose when he is actually a thorn. Who is your love award? So I struggle to really love or hate anyone. Um, while they're all flawed characters, I didn't just actively hate anyone. I will say that I got a lot of enjoyment and humor out of Emperor Joseph. Um, and I really consider him to be this film's Michael Scott. See, I still don't get Michael Scott from him. I get... There's a little bit of awkward there, but he doesn't. He's not the sort of person that's uncomfortable in his own skin, and I think that's Michael Scott. He wants to be something that he's not. He wants everyone to perceive him as something that he's not, and he's just he's always uncomfortable, always sweating, always calculating what his next joke is going to be or whatever, and it never lands. And he always tries to play it off, but can't quite. Mm-hmm. And this emperor, I felt like he was comfortable in his skin. He's a bit doofy. Uh. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, he was definitely a very kind of interesting character. Oh, I I just enjoyed watching him. Just yeah. This is what, look at them. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have this. Uh, so, but my love award, I'm giving to Salieri. Okay. I like Salieri a lot. I like F. Murray Abraham. I just thought he did a great job with that character. But he, and he just gave a very interesting performance, came across as a very self-aware, intelligent, and complex person, and in the end, very flawed, mm-hmm. somewhat evil, perhaps, but just very interesting. I really enjoyed him. But did you hate anyone? Yeah, Mozzi's friend, the white, the white face. 
Oh, the me. Um, I'll call him Paleface, the guy that was in Room with a View, who played the priest, yeah. who danced around naked with uh, the other guys and went into the lake. Simon Cowell. Yeah. Simon Callow. Mm-hmm. Simon Callow. I feel like that's his accent. He's got a very theatrical. Posh. Uh, I guess it's posh. It's very. Uh, there is actually a name for it. There's a certain English accent that's not a real English accent. Oh, it's the one that they taught in school so people would sound smarter? It's the one. I, I think. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's one that they teach for theater. Mm hmm. Uh, in England, or they at least did for a long time. They teach it in England for theater so that everybody would understand you. It's very articulate, very highly enunciated, so that everybody in the, in the country could understand, foreigners could understand, whatever. Um, and that's the sort of accent that they teach American actors to do when they, like uh, Robert Downey Jr., when he does Sherlock Holmes, that's the accent that he's using. It's not a real English accent. It's very theatrical. Hmm. But uh, I was just upset that he didn't want to pay his friend. Yeah, and he seemed kind of, maybe because he knew Mozart so well, he's like, I need you to finish the work before I can pay you for it. Yeah, but like have a little faith in your friend. You know he's a genius. Or a deposit. Yeah, give him a little something. Yeah. Give him a little something. Yeah, a little something something. I thought he was a bit of a bit of an old-fashioned dick. <laughs> and not someone who investigates things. No, he's not a gumshoe. <laughs> He was a proper old... So are you ready to rate? Yes. So I called the genre drama slash biopic. I said historical drama, which I think works for biopic. Tell me, do you pronounce it biopic or biopic? Biopic. I, I don't know what's correct. I've always said biopic because that seems to be how it's spelled. I just followed your suit when you said it, so... But I, I've heard a lot of people say biopic, which also makes sense because it's a bio and it's a picture. Biography it's picture. A, it's yeah. a portmanteau, if you will. Mm-hmm. Even if you won't. Even is. if you won't, it still is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, who, who, who the heck knows? But I gave it for drama slash biopic an 8 out of 10. Hey, me too. All right. Yeah, my, my pros were in, in its most powerful moments. It was stirring, though credit should probably be allotted to the man himself, Mozi, the music, strongly assisted in the emotional pull of certain scenes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how fair that is. So for me... Um, but that's what know, I feel. While it was really historically inaccurate, um, it did a really good job of making a hyper-stylized film that seemed very plausible for the history. It's a good point. So if, by my standards, if the genre is biopic, I feel like accuracy maybe should play into that. But uh, so, and this is where this particular story is a little different in the sense that even before this film had been made, there was the widely accepted incorrect history of Salieri versus Mozart when now we know it was actually Ditters. Oh, so all, all of the, the, the complaints about the historicity of this movie came about after the movie released? Well, the widely believed thought that um, Salieri had something to do with the demise of Mozart um, happened because of that Russian play that came out in, um, I think it was late 1800s. Oh, okay. So at this point, at the point that they made the movie, it was already well established that yeah, this stuff wasn't. It, it was kind of a, it's one of those things where the lie was so widespread that more people are familiar with the lie than the truth. Well, there it is. <laughs> uh, so for Mel, maybe for a drama, I'll give it an eight out of 10 for Biopic, five. Okay. Because it is inaccurate in many fundamental ways. 
But how did you feel about the directing? Directing? Did Milo's foreman kind of redeem himself a little bit with you? Oh, hells yeah. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Hey, me too. There you go. 8 out of 10 buddies right here. Pound it. All right. So pros. Old person makeup on the main character on Salieri was Mm -hmm. quite good. Natural lighting in uh, most or all of the movie. Amazing. I love things like that. I mean, it. you maybe could have accomplished the same look with artificial lights, mm-hmm. but the fact that they did it that way, I just give huge props for that. I love Chef's it. Kiss. So cool. Uh, interesting cinematography. The stage productions looked great. I kind of wish I could have seen, I wish they had filmed the whole thing. Maybe they did. I'd like to see just little short films or maybe not so short films made for all of the little operas and, and musical pieces that they had stage productions uh, designed for for this movie. Mm-hmm. I just want to watch them. I don't want to watch uh, Amadeus. I mean, I do like Amadeus, but I'd like to just watch these productions. I will say that that was something that watching this again, it made me long for is to go back to the theater and see kind of live performance mm-hmm. because there is a different way that an orchestral piece hits you when you are live and it is just reverberating against the walls. Like even if you're just watching a live orchestral version of a movie, like where you have the live orchestra and the movie playing in the background. Yeah. It hits different. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, if you're no matter how good the speakers are that you're listening to, I'm listening uh, nice headphones. You're listening to nice headphones right now. And if you go to a theater that has like THX, Dolby Atmos, whatever speakers, they're going to be great speakers. But they're not as perfect as just hearing the full dynamic range coming out of real musical instruments all in harmony. Absolutely. It's going to be something else. Anyway, so, yeah, set design was just beautiful. And I just wish I could have seen the whole production. This is absolutely my favorite Milo's Foreman film. Yeah. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It just didn't hit the same weight for you. Terrible. (laughs) By comparison? (laughs) By comparison, yes. By itself, it's not terrible. It's just... eh. It's just... eh. Just kind of limped. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, music... Oh, and one con for directing. I said oh. I could have done with more Salieri. I just liked him so much. I think that there weren't enough scenes that just focused on him. I could have done with more of the stage performance scenes. Well, absolutely. Yeah. But And if they have extras, if they have a lot of unreleased footage, I wish they would shove it together and put it out. Yeah. So. Music. Music. Prose. Mozart. What was your score, though? One out of ten. One out of ten. No, 10 out of 10. Okay, I, was, I was really concerned. I was like, ah. You think I'm going to give Mozart a 1 out of 10? Come on. Solly Harry, however, 9 out of 10. I'd have to hear more of his actual music. I don't actually know. Yeah. So I actually gave it a 9 out of 10, but the I would change it to The hell is wrong with you? So it's more because I didn't get to hear songs in their completion, and I wanted to. I feel like that's more of a directing thing. Maybe. Like, the sound quality was also much improved with the headphones, and I will say I appreciated it more. I have been listening to the soundtrack. So did I. I downloaded the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nine out of ten for Mozart? God. I, I can't believe it. I just, just can't Adam and believe it. It just has too many notes. Well, which notes would you like taken out? <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> Which ones? Don't take it badly, dear boy. It's, it's still an excellent review. Shut up, old man. <laughs> you don't know nothing. Mm. All right. How about writing? I gave it a 7 out of 10. Do you want to know something? I gave it a 7 out of 10. What? 
awkwardly fist bump high fiving, <laughs> like and like hand up, hand down, hand up. Uh, um, I I do wish I know more about what Foreman changed from the original play and how he chose which operas um, and music uh, to adapt to the story. I just I want to understand more of why he chose to select certain things and omit other things because like he's already following more the the play the pushkin play versus following the actual story and so i i did long for maybe even more character development i'm not i'm not sure yeah so for the writing uh prose i said it the the two main characters were excellent Mozart mocking Salieri and going for him for help at the end, being a genius and a pig, I just thought was a really fun character. Salieri worshipping Mozart but hating him and conspiring against him, intelligent uh, enough to know how outclassed he is. Again, just a really complex and interesting character. Uh, Just brilliant writing for both of them. I really liked it. Cons, as far as uh, biopics go, it's uh, not very accurate. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that has to go against writing because he could have done otherwise. I know he's following the the outline of the the play or Pushkin, whatever, yeah. right? So, but he could have not. Could have not, or at the end put up um, actual Salieri, blah blah blah, like kind of like you know how in closing credits they'll sometimes say what happened to the people after. Like, like, <laughs> like in, at the end of an 80s comedy like or at the end of a fish called wanda well no uh, even historical movies will sometimes do that with the actual like um at the end of remember the titans it's like the um the coach went on to teach or coach for the next six years or something right and yeah. donald Faison went to be in scrubs yeah yeah exactly it, what happened in the actual history right <laughs> um, and as we all know, Donald Faison, the man, was so on the, the team. So it doesn't matter, why do you need to know? Uh, what? Oh, it's one of the lines from the movie. I um, haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, I know Donald Faison was in it, and I like Donald Faison. So what are you going to do? That's why you'll like Clueless when we watch that eventually, per your brother's request. Acting! Acting! What would you give it for acting? I would say... There was things that the performance, while it could have been the direction, they still left question marks for me. I kind of like that. It's in a performance, I like that sometimes. You know, you don't need everyone to wear everything on their sleeve. Yeah, a little bit of ambiguity so you can read into things yourself. I didn't have a problem with the performances of the minor characters. I gave the overall acting score an eight, mm-hmm. um, mostly for the main performances. Uh, Salieri and, and matzo balls, but I thought that I think matzo balls. Is <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought they were great. And the, the minor characters, I thought all did their part. Mm. You know, nobody was completely outstanding, but I liked everybody. I didn't think that anybody had a glaring issue. Even uh, mother-in-law. <laughs> she was funny. Yeah, I liked her. <laughs> <laughs> she was very funny. <laughs> was that her again uh, before the uh, magic flute? Yeah. Okay. She just wasn't in the full regalia. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so um, what is your overall real rating? Real rating? Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go first. I said 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. I gave it an 8 out of 10. For the real? Yes, for real rating, I gave it an 8 out of 10. But what about your pitter-patter heart? Uh, an 8 out of 10. Okay. 8 out of 10. Not too shabby. I said 8 out of 10 heart as well. Yes. I. It's one of those movies where... I will definitely watch it again. Yeah, I was about to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Preempted. I scooped you. Yeah, scoop me. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely watch it again. Great movie. I loved it a lot. I thought the quality-wise, it was just, uh, it was one of those things that was not oozing with style, 
but it was it wasn't Kubrick, which <laughs> is dripping and flooding, frankly, with style. Yeah, well, it's Kubrick and Scorsese are, I would say, highly stylistic. And uh, Dr. Quentin Tarantino over there. Also stylistic. Yes. Diff- all vastly different styles. But. And, and that's all to their credit. Yeah. If, if, if their style is not completely distinct, then it's not theirs. So uh, next time on the RTR. Community face place. Have you decided that you are, in fact, okay with Kubrick, or did you want to karate kid? Oh, boy. See, this is difficult for me because I really, I, I'm in the mood for throwing some chops and some kicks. want to, you know, split some boards. And here's some sweet 80s tunes. Well, you know what? Let's do that. And then that way I can also prep uh, Matt, for matter of fact, to make sure that he's okay with a multi-episode recording. Nice. All right. So we're doing Karate Kid 2, baby boys. So uh, let's... <laughs> and baby girls. And baby... Well, are the baby girls what, uh, listening, do you think? Yeah. Okay. I think so. If you're a lady, shout out on the RTR community face place. <laughs> baby girls. I don't feel comfortable with calling our fans baby girls, though. Okay. Our lady women's. The lady women's. <laughs> baby boys and the lady women's. <laughs> <laughs> the worst band ever. <laughs> Let's hear the new album of the baby boys and the lady women's. <laughs> it's too long. It's just too long. All right. Uh, so should I be watching this or are you going to kick me out? I'm going to kick you out because that is our tradition. All right. Um, so before I cue it up, I'll say that my nostalgia rating for this one is I'll say six out of ten. Merely a six out of ten? Yeah. And that's for real? That's for uh, my nostalgia. Okay, so your pure nostalgia is only a six. What was it for uh, the foist one? You asked me the hard questions after. <laughs> your feelings on things? <laughs> your feelings are hard? Yes. Man. <laughs> so um, your predicted real, I'm going to give you uh, a 6.5 for your real, and I will say a 6.5 for your heart. If you say so, on your own head be it. Right. I'm going to leave now. Good day, sir. He is quicker. Rule number one. Karate for defense only. He is wiser. Rule number two. Fast run rule number one. He is stronger. Miyagi taught him well. Secret of Miyagi family karate. I don't get it. Practice, you will. Can you break a log like that? Don't know. Never been attacked by tree. Miyagi discovered the man within the boy. Never put passion before principle. Even if winning, you lose. Now Daniel must discover the man within himself. In Okinawa, honor very serious. Your sensei teach you how to fight with spear? No more tournaments. No more cheering crowds. This time, the combat is real. Karate Kid, part two. Well, ladies and jelly spoons, that has been the trailer. Ladies and Geminis. (laughs) I'm a Gemini. Uh, That has been the trailer for Karate Kid 2. Um, This time... It's personal. Um, Does it have a subtitle? 
It's just Karate Kid Part 2. Okay. Part 2? Mm-hmm. It's called Part 2? Yeah. Oh. That's the full name. Is it because he chopped it in two parts? Exactly. Just karate chopped it right in half. Makes sense. So we would like to thank Julian Crowhurst for the use of our theme song, which, you know, honestly, it's a real bop. I Every time I play it, I just kind of... We're, we, we both groove to it every time we hear it. Exactly. So. I hum it to myself occasionally. <laughs> it's, it's, a good, it's a good song. So thank you, Julian. We appreciate you. Yep. And, uh, you know, caca and what all. Caca and what all. Exactly. Right. So, you know, I'd also like to remind you people, we said this at the beginning of the podcast, and so you can stop the podcast now if you don't want to hear me insult you. Uh, but, uh, but now you want to know what he's talking about behind yeah, your back. What could I be saying about you? It might be really mean. I might be being ironic and it might be nice. It's not going to be, though. It's going to be mean. You can never tell, Zach. Look, right now. Open up your little stupid laptop machine or your iPhone telephone. Or your iPad. Telephone. Uh, and go to applepodcasts.com slash org.gov. <laughs> and go to the Rose Tinted Reels uh, little little uh, listing. Mm-hmm. Type that in the search bar. Uh-huh. Scroll down to where it says reviews down there at the bottom. Uh, five stars there. Put five stars on it. And then type in the little window that pops up. Type and fi- insert fi- your feeling. Right. Put your own stuff in there. I'm not going to write the entire thing for you, but I've gotten you pretty far in the process. Yeah. Now, from here, I think you can pull off the rest. And remember, if you do, we will read it and we will react to it. And it'll be a delightful time. That's right. So this is a great place for you to plug something you're working on. Say how much you enjoy us. If you Should Allison what- continue to wear jorts? Should Allison feel comfortable wearing whatever sort of pant or short, or should should she refrain herself? Or should she be ashamed? Yeah, just <laughs> be a never nude and just... Right, and, and tell us uh, which things, which aspects of ourselves that we should be ashamed of. Yeah. It, should Mikey or Mickey come back? Or should they stay in the conceptual hell where they reside most of the time? And their life is nothing but paperwork and regret. That's right. All right, so uh, I've been Allison. I've been Zach. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. on watermelon. I have killed my co-host. So sorry, ladies and gems.